0: A reading from Mark, chapter 4, verses 35 through 41. On that day, when evening had come, he said to them, Let us go across to the other side. And leaving the crowd behind, they took him with them in the boat, just as he was. Other boats were with him. A great windstorm rose, and the waves beat into the boat, so that the boat was already being swamped. But he was in the stern, asleep on the cushion. And they woke him up and said to him, "'Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing?' He woke up and rubbed the wind and said to the sea, "'Peace, be still!' Then the wind ceased and there was a dead calm. He said to them, "'Why are you so afraid? "'Have you no still no faith?' And they were filled with great awe and said to one another, Who then is this that even the wind and sea obey him?
1: Good morning, friends. Let's pray together. Living God, help us to hear your holy word that we may truly understand, that understanding we may believe, and believing we may follow in all faithfulness and obedience seeking your honor and glory in all that we do, through Christ our Lord. Amen. There are certain people that are exceptional at staying calm under pressure. Neil Armstrong is one of those people. He is known for piloting the miraculous first moon landing, touching down after chaotic series of mishaps with just 30 seconds of fuel left. But this was not the first time he had to stay calm under immense pressure. Prior to his career as an astronaut, Armstrong was a pilot of the F9F Panther fighter jet during the war in Korea. In September, 1951, Armstrong was on a low level bombing run when an anti-aircraft cable cut off over six feet off his right wing, cutting metal, wiring, tubing, and his control connection. Realizing it would be impossible to land the plane safely, Armstrong decided on a course of action most pilots dread. He was going to have to eject at jet speeds. With some quick thinking, Armstrong navigated his way to a rice paddy in a friendly U.S. Marines airfield. Along the way, he decided to read through and discuss the ejection manual with his squad leader via radio ensuring he knew all necessary protocols before making a successful jump to safety. Reporter Jay Barbary wrote of Armstrong, his calmness was inborn. Neil was blessed with the ability to put off fear until the predicament he was in was over. People like Neil Armstrong seem to live by the words of this World War II British propaganda poster, keep calm and carry on. And as we're living through the middle of a major pandemic, I feel like I should hold keep calm and carry on as my motto for the day. But if I'm honest, most mornings I drink from a mug that better represents my daily motto in this whole thing. Now panic and freak out. I mean, come on. First, there is COVID-19 and now we have added murder hornets to the mix of things to worry about. If you haven't heard about them, don't Google it for your own safety. Many of us are facing storms that we never thought possible. The winds shake the foundations of our homes. Our patience and energy are exhausted at home with our families. The waves are crashing down in our workplaces as we face the threat of unemployment, furloughed jobs, and a crashing economy. Thunder rumbles our security as we face our fears about the health and well-being of our loved ones and ourselves. The storms surrounding us threaten our sense of safety and security on a multitude of fronts. It is easy to feel like there is just too much outside of our control. We are left in a state of fear. It feels like we are reaching our breaking point. So the disciples' experience feels familiar to us. They gave up their livelihoods and left their families to follow Jesus. He leads them out onto the Sea of Galilee. A storm erupts out of nowhere. The wind rocks the boat. The waves crash in, filling the boat with water. And in fear, they turn to their teacher to help. He is asleep on a cushion. When it counts, in the middle of a storm, God is seemingly absent and uninvolved. It's not the first time that God's people have feared that God is sleeping while they suffer. In Psalm 44, verses 23 to 24, the psalmist cries out, Awake, O Lord, why do you sleep? Rouse yourself, do not reject us forever. Why do you hide your face and forget our misery and oppression? The disciples join with God's people before them, calling on God to wake up. Teacher, do you not care that we're perishing? Today, some of us feel like echoing the disciples' call on God to wake up. God, don't you care that we're perishing? Don't you care that people we love are getting sick? Don't you care that we are losing our jobs? Don't you care that we're struggling to make ends meet? Don't you care that people are dying because of the color of their skin? Don't you care that we are isolated from people that we love? God, don't you care? In the middle of storms, our ready response to the silence is that God is absent or God has no power. However, Mark 4 shows us two important things about God's nature in the middle of a storm. First, it shows us that the God made known in Jesus Christ is the God who is on the boat with us. In verses 35, Jesus said to the disciples, let us go across to the other side. Presumably, Jesus as omniscient God incarnate knew that a storm was brewing on the sea and Jesus led the disciples right into it. And yet Jesus did not tell them to go across the other side while he waited on the shore and watched the storm play out. Honestly, if I had the option of being on a boat in a storm or staying on the shore, I would definitely opt for the shore. It's probably a good thing I'm not God. Rather than abandoning his disciples to the storm that would threaten their lives, Jesus got into the boat with them. And this isn't the first time that God has led his people into difficult terrain. In the book of Exodus, having fled Egypt, God did not take the Israelites on the shorter route to reach the promised land. Instead, God led the Israelites the roundabout way through the wilderness for 40 years. But again, God did not abandon them to fend for themselves. God was not absent. God led them every step of the way. We're told that God went in front of them during the day in a column of cloud to guide them and at night in a column of lightning to give them light. By day and by night, the column never left its place in front of the people. As they continued through the wilderness and faced enemies, Moses reminded the Israelites, be strong, be fearless. Don't be afraid. Don't be scared by your enemies because the Lord, your God, is the one who marches with you. He won't let you down and he won't abandon you. God's promise to not leave or forsake his people continues throughout the New Testament. After sending out his disciples in the Great Commission, Jesus promises to his disciples, remember I am with you always until the end of the age. But Jesus did not stop there. As we approach Pentecost Sunday in a couple of weeks, we are reminded that when Jesus ascended into heaven, he did not abandon his disciples or his church. Jesus promised a helper, a companion to guide his followers. He gave us the Holy Spirit. Friends, following Jesus means that we will be led into storms and wildernesses that we do not feel prepared for. When I signed up to be a youth director, I did not expect that I would have to learn how to do youth ministry online. When you had children, I'm sure you did not expect that you would need to work from home while homeschooling and entertaining your kids. None of us could have ever imagined that we would have to miss newborn nieces, nephews, grandchildren. That we would have to delay funerals and grieve in isolation. That we would have to reimagine and delay weddings, miss graduations and celebrations. This is not what we signed up for. But As God showed the Israelites and as Jesus showed the disciples and promised them, we are not abandoned by our God to navigate through the storms that take us to our breaking point. Jesus is in the boat with us. The Holy Spirit guides us. Storms raise questions in us and provoke our deepest fears, but God is not absent in our storms. As Paul testifies, there is nothing, life nor death, that can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Our God does not leave us or forsake us. The God made known in Jesus Christ is on the boat with us. But like the disciples, we need assurance that God is not only present, but is also active. We cry out to the God who is present with us to act, to demonstrate his power over the storms we are in. Woken from the disciples hysteria, Jesus arises and calls out to the wind and the sea, peace, be still. And immediately the wind and the sea are calm. All Jesus has to do is say a word and they are calm. Just as God brought the sky and the sea into existence from merely saying, let it be so, so Jesus can silence the wind and the waves through one command. It is hard enough to calm children with the words, peace be still. Imagine having the power to calm the wind and the waves with those simple words. In Mark 4, we see that God is not only with us on the boat, but that the God made known in Jesus Christ has the power to calm storms. Shocked and in awe of Christ's ability to calm the storm, the disciples questioned, who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? The disciples had watched as Jesus healed men, women, and children with merely a touch or a word. They watched as Jesus cast out demons by a single command, silence but they had not yet seen him showcase his power over the wind and the sea. The disciples' question echoes the psalmist in Psalm 89. O Lord God Almighty, who is like you? You are mighty, O Lord, and your faithfulness surrounds you. You rule over the surging sea. When its waves mount up, you still them. In the Hebrew scriptures, the wind and the sea are seen as untamed, life-threatening forces that only God can control. In the book of Job, God questions Job, reminding him of God's power. Who shut up the sea behind the doors when it burst forth from the womb? When I made the clouds its garment and wrapped in thick darkness, when I fixed limits for it and set its doors and bars in place, when I said, this far you may come, and no farther, here is where your proud waves halt. The God who called the wind and the sea into existence by simply saying, let it be so. The God who shut up the sea behind the doors and fixed its limits is revealed in Jesus Christ. Jesus turned to his disciples, why are you afraid? Have you still no faith? When I hear this, I want to jump to the disciples' defense. Jesus rebuked the disciples as if they didn't have a reason to be afraid. But the disciples' fear was real and seemed like the appropriate response to the storm around them. At least four of the disciples were fishermen. They knew the boats. They knew the sea. Located downdraft from the Jordan River and surrounded by hills, the Sea of Galilee was known for its sudden and ferocious storms. The disciples were not exaggerating. Their fear was of a real, present danger. Like the disciples, many of our fears these days are of real and present danger. And many of us think of fear as a negative emotion, but fear is essential to our lives. It promotes our survival. If we did not ever fear, we would not be able to protect ourselves from legitimate threats. However, fear becomes counterproductive when it becomes persistent and impairs our life and our growth. Faith does not mean that we have to deny that there are reasons to be afraid. We cannot argue that the disciples did not have reason to be frightened on that boat. But the problem was that the disciples let fear write their story. The disciples came to Jesus convinced that even though the Son of God was on the boat with them, they were going to die. They assumed that Jesus was going to let them die. They believed in the worst-case scenario over the power of God. Faith is not denying that there is reason to fear. Faith is the belief that there is something more powerful than our fear. Here's the good news. As Lamar Williamson Jr. points out in his commentary on Mark, the power of God to save is not limited to the horizons of our expectations. Praise God. The disciples did not expect that Jesus could overcome the sea and the wind, but he did. The disciples did not expect that Jesus could raise himself from the dead, but he did. Jesus was not limited by their fears or their expectations. Friends, God is not limited by our fears or our expectations. We have reason to fear. But the good news of the risen Christ is that God is more powerful than our fear. In the face of storms, Jesus calls on us as he does his disciples to hold tight to our faith. Whatever storm we may be battling, the God made known in Jesus Christ is with us on the boat. Whatever fears we are carrying, the God made known in Jesus Christ has the power to overcome them. Though our faith may be small in trying times, our God is big and our God is present. We trust that the hands that made this world are the hands that are holding it. We trust that our God is present and involved. In the name of the Father,